This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Fun Friday, my name is Jeff Sandu and on today's show, Culture Pop's Matt Armitage is clearly pining for the beast from the east. Nope, that's not his latest pay-per-view subscription, but a wave of cold weather that's freezing Northern Europe like a tone-deaf superhero. In honour of his frigid forebears, this week Matt's plane keeps it frosty. Matt, in case you haven't realised this yet, this isn't Northern Europe. The only reason it's cold in here is because you demand for the air conditioning unit to be at 16 degrees Celsius. And that's exactly what I want to <laughs> talk about because, as you said, in this part of the world, it's always literally the hottest day of summer. <laughs> I think my car was saying something stupid like 37 degrees yeah. on the way to the studio oh, today. Mm. So apart from that weird couple of days we had a couple of months ago where everyone was complaining about how cold it was <laughs> and I was still sweating, <laughs> winter is something that, When you live in the tropics, you have to actually travel to experience. So air conditioning has become a way of life for us. And I know that not everyone is is as extreme in the use of AC as I am. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I pretty much only exist in this part of the world with air conditioning. (laughs) I have it on all the time at home and at work. It blasts in my car. And I try not to spend too much time outside during daylight hours, but that's mainly because I frighten people less in the dark. (laughs) That said, you know, our solutions to personal cooling are still kind of blunt and they haven't really progressed a very great deal. Mm. So it's a bit like shoelaces. Everyone accepts that it's not great, but it mostly does what it wants. So, you know, we're kind of stuck with it. So, Which means you have a solution to this cooling crisis. Not really, but I do have an interest. You know, it's kind of like my quest for the Holy Grail. Mm. And there are some interesting technologies coming up which are seeking to address some of the issues. And we'll get to some of those technologies later. But I thought, first of all, we could actually look at some of the history of air conditioning. Mm -hmm. Not the most interesting topic of all time. (laughs) It might actually be more interesting than you think. Like the fact that air conditioning was actually created as a byproduct and not by intention. Mm. Uh, Just after the turn of the 20th century, a printing company called Sackett and Wilhelms in New York was having problems with its printing process. Humidity was warping the paper and it was preventing the ink from bonding to the paper as a result. So their magazines and whatever else they were trying to be printed Mm. wasn't getting done. Enter a guy called Willis Carrier, an engineer, who came up with a solution that pumped air over cooled metal coils. It saved the print run, but the larger discovery was that the print room was now the coolest room in the building. So staff started to take their breaks next to the machine, mm. which is quite a feat because a printing press yeah. is really noisy. So yeah. if that's the best place in the building, <laughs> you can tell you know, what people felt about heat. Mm. And mm. Carrier then went on to, to found the world's first commercial air conditioning company. But when did it start being widely adopted? Well, the systems were extremely large. So it wasn't really until the technological process, uh, progress rather, a miniaturization that came after the Second World War that we started to see the first domestic units. Mm -hmm. So movie theatres are actually credited with being the first spaces to popularise air conditioning in kind of the 1920s and 30s. Movies were an enormously popular form of entertainment, of course, but during the hotter months of summer, the picture palaces were often sweltering and suffocatingly hot. So all Audience numbers tended to decline during those warmer months. 
By persuading movie theatres to adopt the cooling systems, Carrier helped to make cinemas into a summertime destination. So in most cities, they were literally the coolest place mm. you could be. And attendances actually skyrocketed as a result. And that has actually influenced the way that movies have been made and released. It's eventually basically led to what we now know as the summer blockbuster season mm. because of that movement of people towards movie theatres during the summer months. Mm. But surely the air conditioning has a greater cultural impact than movie release schedules. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into enormous detail here. There's a really good episode of the 99% Invisible podcast, uh, which is called Thermal Delight. Love it. Yes, exactly. You can check that out if you want to know more. It's where I found the uh, tale of Willis Carrier as well. Mm -hmm. But it is safe to say that the impact of uh, air conditioning and air cooling has been absolutely enormous uh, in the United States. Domestic air conditioning from the 1950s onwards helped to fuel a population migration from the northern states to southern states like uh, Florida and Arizona, which had traditionally been considered to have inhospitable climates and as a result had pretty low population densities. And it's hard to state kind of the enormity of the influence that it's had on architecture. In, in what way, man? Well, before we could mechanically cool buildings, it was an architect's job to ensure the correct balance of ventilation and lighting. So that meant that architect, uh, this meant that architecture was more vernacular. There was often a huge local variation in terms of styles and building materials. Crucially, it tended to limit the height and width of buildings. Buildings tended to be narrower and mm. were often constructed in unusual shapes or patterns. I mean, that's one thing that you can see in... Malaysia yeah. in the older architecture, yeah. they don't have that kind of block form that, mm. that uh, skyscrapers have. And that was to maximize airflow or in a colder climate, heat retention. And of course, it varied depending on the requirements of the local climate. So as I mentioned, the materials uh, used would also reflect that local climate. Um, some materials might absorb or retain heat. Uh, materials Other materials would dissipate and reflect heat in terms of hot, hotter climates. In desert areas where the days might be punishingly hot and the nights could come close to zero, mm. materials like adobe were used because they absorbed heat gradually during the day but didn't bring it into the building mm. but would release it into the interior at night to keep the, the place warm. But, of course, air conditioning has turned all of that on its head. Cooling has now become a feat of engineering and not a factor of design. So that has enabled buildings to be taller and fatter. Uh, basically, yeah. It enabled architects to develop entirely new design languages. Buildings could be made more cheaply and at a much higher density, which, of course, increases the return to developers. It's also enabled the building of, you know, the glass and steel structures that now decorate the skyline of the world's major cities. And we've got so many of them here in Kuala Lumpur. Because when you have a lot of glass, you have a lot of light and that creates a lot of heat. Uh, as, you know, most gardeners mm -hmm. will know, that's great for tomatoes. It's slightly less awesome for human beings. Tomatoes. <laughs> Precisely. Well, it turns humans into tomatoes. Yeah, you know, our heads just like blossom out and burst. Um, but once you add that central air, the, the sky physically becomes your limit. Um, yes, it's true. It has resulted in some awful buildings and it has <laughs> resulted in this kind of increase in global homogenization. Mm. You know, you look at the skyline of pretty much any, uh, any major city yeah. and, you know, it's hard to, to decide which 
city yeah. or country is which. Yeah. We see the same cookie-cutter office blocks <laughs> and suburban housing developments repeated time and time again across the world. Mm. But it has also resulted in a colossal amount of design innovation, and it allowed architects to really let their imaginations run wild, which has frequently made our urban landscapes a more interesting place. Mm. So, Matt, apart from letting you summarise a Wikipedia info in five minutes, why are we talking about this today? That's rude and offensive, but then I wouldn't expect anything else. I was trying to point out the importance of air conditioning Mm. to our modern way of life. You could probably make a case that the internet wouldn't exist in its current form without air conditioning. Because when we talk about the cloud, what we're really talking about is enormous server farms. Mm. Some of those Mm. are located deep underground in countries that have an abundance of permafrost, but the rest are in places like California in artificially cooled hangars. You know, it always makes me laugh when people tell me how much they hate air conditioning, but they have little or no understanding of the fact that their Facebook profile relies on air conditioning. And we always seem very quick to talk about the things we hate, like pumpkin, (laughs) and less time talking about the things we love, like salt and vinegar crisps, or (laughs) chips to our Americanized listeners. (laughs) And of course, there's your personal interest in just staying cool. Yes, my personal interest in salt and vinegar (laughs) chips and staying cool. (laughs) No, when when I first moved to Malaysia, I really loved the heat. And Mm. as my vintage has increased, (laughs) shall we say, I seem to find myself uh, most comfortable wearing shorts and T-shirts in temperatures below 20 degrees centigrade, Mm -hmm. which is not a situation I often find myself in unless I go for an 11 a.m. cinema screening. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess... Well, I mean, I guess most of our listeners get these. Um, You know those notes you get from the electricity company telling you how your Mm. consumption compares to your Mm neighbours? Well, apparently mine is about 30% higher than most of the people (laughs) on my local grid. So I can only assume that my neighbours are spending their air conditioning savings on extra deodorant. Mm. But for a long time now, I've been thinking about the technology behind air conditioning and how it's a bit like those belts that my belly has made redundant for my for my pants you know we make the old cosmetic change but the form and the underlying technology hasn't really changed much Mm. you know sure the machines have become they've become more compact powerful energy efficient but they're still a very blunt one-size-fits-all solution to what is in actuality a set of multiple problems Mm. i'm going to get you to explain that a little further because it does sound rather confusing we'll we'll go for a short break with uh, matt amatich right after this bfm 89.9 Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. And we're back. My name is Jeff Sandu, together with Culture Pop's Matt Amatej. And we're talking about air conditionings on Matt's plane today. If you're still listening, then you've got more patience than I have. (laughs) Matt, before the break, you said something along the lines of air conditioning being a blunt solution to a lot of problems. Do you want to explain that to the people at the other end of your microphone? Me. Sure. Uh, it's not like I've got anything better to do right now. Um, no, remember we did an episode a few weeks ago where I asked people about uh, tech problems that science has forgotten to solve. Mm. Well, one of the questions I got was from a lovely fellow called Wern Shen. And he very reasonably asked why air conditioners can't create different temperature zones in different parts of a room, for example, on different sides of the bed or a sofa. Mm, Why? 
Well, this is the block solution part. We treat cooling, whether at home or in a building, as though it were a one-stop shop. Now, before we started recording today, you came in the studio and said, It's I'm freezing. Go- yeah. It's freezing. I'm going to put my jumper on. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting here uh, perfectly in, yeah, comfortable. Yeah. It's like you're on a holiday in by the beach. <laughs> Precisely. So it ignores the fact that different people have different temperature requirements. Mm. Um, my wife is always too cold in our house. And... I'm always too hot. Literally. Literally, yes. <laughs> I usually get my way because I tell her it's easier for her to yeah. put on a jumper. Whereas even if I walk around naked, I'm still going to be warm. You don't want that, yeah. And sweaty. And if she's sitting on the sofa, quite literally in her face. Yeah. Mm. You know, and that's probably not the fairest way yeah. to win an argument. <laughs> so I've been wondering why we haven't been as successful at creating microclimates as we have at creating micropeaks. Now, is that really necessary though, man? Sometimes we don't improve on something because it's already as good as it gets, right? I, I think it's more that this is quite a difficult topic to solve. Um, but it, that doesn't mean it's not one that we should be avoiding. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this one-size-fits-all ethos is really energy-intensive. Um, one of the figures quoted in 99% Invisible, I think, was that the United States currently uses as much electricity for air conditioning as the entire continent of Africa consumes in total. Which wow. is Yeah, that is a, a, that's quite an astonishing yeah. figure. Yeah. And of course, as a result of that, there are environmental aspects. Air conditioning generates a lot of CO2 emissions. And weirdly, it actually leads to increases in temperature. Uh, (laughs) If you go to the areas surrounding large buildings and shopping Mm. malls, you'll often find that there's a temperature spike because the ambient temperature is higher because of the heat generated by the exhaust fans of the cooling systems in those buildings. And a lot of that energy is simply wasted anyway. Um, Think about all the dead zones in office buildings, places like walkways and Mm. unoccupied conference rooms. A lot of those spaces are cooled to the same temperatures as the places where humans are concentrated. There must be a lot of innovation in this sector, right? What about the smart clothing market? Yeah, we've talked about smart clothing Mm. quite a few times before. And there is a growing body of innovation in temperature-controlled clothing powered by batteries using nanotech and heating elements. But it does seem that heating clothing Mm. is a lot easier than using it to cool people down. Most of the smart clothing we talked about still follows the basic principles of evaporative cooling. And that kind of technology doesn't work so well in the tropics. Mm. It works better in dry climates as it relies on a lot of moisture. So if you have moisture outside the body as well as the stuff you're trying to take from the body, Mm -hmm. the cooling doesn't actually happen anymore. So a lot of these smart cooling developments and even those portable air coolers that you add ice to aren't as well suited to climates like those we find in Southeast Asia. Mm, What else is on the horizon? Some solutions are old school practical. Uh, Quite a few of the refurbished or new build office buildings I've been in recently combine central air for the the main kind of people areas combined with regular switch on switch off units in meeting rooms and other spaces that are not uh, constantly Mm. occupied. Other overlooked innovations include hey, windows that open, Um, something that's (laughs) anathema to most modern high-rises because they allow workers to have some control over their own environment. Obviously, you're probably not going to want to open a window on the 85th floor. It's going to be, one, very windy, and two, 
probably kind of dangerous. Mm. Uh, the computer-aided design and innovation company Autodesk has a really interesting project called Dasher. Mm. Uh, one of its uses is as a command and control structure for large buildings. Now, you can drill down to sensor information on temperature, CO2 emissions, lighting and power use at a really granular level, down to the individual worker drone cubicle. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so while technology like that is not specifically targeted at creating microclimates in the workplace, it will be capable of mm. doing so. So whether it's manipulated by the cubicle, whether it's manipulated by the cubicle occupant, or by a central administrator, or even by an mm. artificial intelligence, you know, we'll have to wait and see about that. There are also various prototypes and commercial versions of climate-controlled office chairs, which combine things like heating pads and fans that blow across your, your back. And because often we're not talking about massive fluctuations in temperature making a difference, you can shift an average temperature by one degree in either direction and make an enormous difference to the comfort of many of the people within that space. Mm. As Malaysia's coolest dude, I should point out that Matt wrote that sentence himself. Are there any products out there that we can get hold of it now? Thanks for pointing that out, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of innovation going on and a lot of people coming up with really interesting ideas. Uh, I come across quite a lot of them when I'm researching for King of the Crowd, the items that we feature on uh, Geek Squawks. And it does seem that a lot of them don't make it beyond the prototyping stage. Mm. So it is a bit of an invest at your peril area. Uh, Emberwave is one that we've talked about on Geeks before. It's a wearable bracelet that helps to make you feel cooler by applying a cool or warm element to the pulse point on your wrist. It essentially tricks your body into thinking the air around you is warmer or cooler than it is. Mm. That should be commercially available by the middle of the year, and that's had really good tests on the, the, the reviews I've seen so far. Then there's uh, My Climate, a personal air conditioner that's uh, a great concept, which has become bogged down in development hell. Oh, dear. Yes, that's one I actually invested in. Um, it's a wearable <laughs> air conditioning concept that circulates cool air around your body. It sits around you a bit like a, mm. a, bit like a belt okay. and blows cool right, air yeah. around you. <laughs> it's kind of nice. <laughs> it will get there. You know, as with a lot of these crowd things, it just yeah. takes longer to get to market than mm. a lot of first-time entrepreneurs actually imagine to begin with. One of the products that has just reached the market is called Zero Breeze, which is a portable battery-powered air conditioning unit. Mm. It's about the size of a portable ice cooler. I think it weighs about five or six kilos. That's had some pretty good reviews. But as with anything, unless I'm really excited, I prefer to wait for the later manufacturing yeah, runs yeah. To, to give time to sort out any gremlins or quality control issues if it turns out there are any. Mm. What about something you can buy now? Well, there is a device that I've been using for a couple of years. It's made by a company called Evapolar, and it's called the Eva Lite. Mm. They now have a larger capacity machine called the Eva Smart, which adds Wi-Fi connectivity and smartphone control via a rather nice app. Mm -hmm. And it was an early King of the Crowd uh, winner. It was one of the first items I think we featured on King of the Crowd. I bought two units pretty much as soon as I saw the Indiegogo page, and I haven't been disappointed. Wow. Yeah, the company completed development and delivered all according to the, the, the schedule. So what makes this different from a standard air conditioning unit or the you know, evaporative cooler? 
Okay, admittedly, one of the reasons I was attracted to this is because it uses a nanomaterial called Eva Breeze to cool the air, and mm. it's a very clever piece of minimalist tech because I'm that kind of geek who will buy anything <laughs> that has nano written on it. Toothpaste, <laughs> T-shirts, TVs, anything T for techie. Um, the Evapolar units, they don't use ice, they oh. don't have a pump, and that means it reduces the number of moving parts. So the device is the devices are really small and light, which makes them super portable, mm. which is also a must for me. It's about the size and height of two boxes of tissues stacked on top oh, of each other. Yeah, it's really about small. the size of a desktop fan. Yeah. And it weighs less than a kilo and a half. So like I said, it's really light mm. and portable. Uh, and I like using it because it's so simple. You fill the water reservoir, the material in the cartridge soaks up the water, and a fan blows cold air at you. You know, it's simple. a really simple... That's why I said <laughs> it's a really nice piece of minimalist tech. And it also makes the devices really energy mm. efficient. They run using a standard USB cable, so you power one off your computer or plug it into your phone's charger. If Apple says the cartridges last around six months, but I found they tend to last sort of eight to nine, and the oh. replacement cost around 30 US dollars is less than servicing a traditional AC unit. The company also claims that the machine has air purification properties because it filters out dust. And because the EvaBreeze material is biologically inert, mm. it won't breed bacteria, something that's fairly critical for a product that spends its life sitting in tap water. The bigger question is, would you use it to replace a normal split air conditioning unit? Well, as I said, I mean, this is really about creating microclimates. So I mm. use my units in conjunction with traditional air conditioning. So I use that to cool kind of the ambient surroundings. And then I have, I have one machine by my bed and another at my work desk. That allows me to have a little bubble of super cold air around my work area <laughs> and my pillow without my colleague or my wife getting annoyed. Because it, it tends to, uh, I think the, the range is around three meters squared, four meters squared on the bigger unit. Right. And it, in that bubble, it will reduce the temperature by about five degrees centigrade. So mm. it has quite a, a major impact. So my wife can be happy in, mm. you know, 26, 27 degrees. And I'm down at 21, wow. which is much closer to, to where I, yeah, I know, <laughs> just thinking, but that's freezing it's freezing you need cold, gloves man. on for that no you need a vest and pants <laughs> you know you usually don't go into this level of detail about products on matt's plane here that's partly because today we are being pretty specific there are a lot of great technologies on the horizon that will allow us to create microclimates and move away from the kind of shackles of central air uh, I think these developments will also likely spur more rapid innovation in the traditional air conditioning sector because the manufacturers won't want to get left behind. Uh, inverter air conditioners are already a right step in that direction. Mm. But in terms of microclimates, we don't have a lot of relevant products on the market right now. I have tried out a lot of them after the years, and most of them have a combination of being both expensive and basically rubbish. Combination um, of both. <laughs> yeah. One company, which has now gone bust, sent me three completely non-functioning machines before I insisted on a refund. They had operating pumps, but the pumps didn't actually pull any water or moisture out. So they were 
were just a machine that made a lot of noise and went until the battery ran out. So, yes, I am kind of pushing these Evapolar units because I think they are a genuine and immediate solution to a pressing problem. They reduce energy use and they increase personal comfort. And I've found them to be very good value. Mm. In case anyone is wondering, this isn't a paid endorsement. I don't get anything if anyone decides to buy one of these. I contacted the company for product information, and when I explained today's topic, their support team generously offered a 25% order discount nice. to listeners of the show. Yeah, So I'll post the details of that on the Matt Splained Facebook page. Okay, so people have got to go and like the Facebook page, and they then... They don't even have to like no. it. There is no! There's no, <laughs> no buying, attached, no strings no attached commitment. to this at all. Wow. Just come and get the code. The code is valid until the end of March. And off you go. Give him a like as well. Anyways, if the real developments are on the horizon, man, how can we keep it frosty in the meantime? In a few years' time, I think we'll be amazed that it took us so long to create these personal microclimates. It will seem as simple to us as it feels complicated and beyond Mm. our reach now. We won't be having these conversations about, oh, I'm going to go and get my jumper or whatever. You will simply have the temperature you want on your side of the desk, Mm -hmm. and I will be sitting inside an ice cube (laughs) on my side of the desk. Everyone will be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can't do much about the way our offices or our homes are built, not in the short term anyway. So our choices are often quite stark. If the architecture isn't adapted to the climate, then air conditioning may be the only way that is reasonable for us to stay cool, at least for part of the year. And these homes and buildings are going to be a feature of life for decades to come. Mm. You know, you don't just knock houses down because it's a bit too warm. Uh, What we can do, though, is look at the tools that are available to us now and make practical decisions that might reduce energy use or reduce our carbon footprint. As I said about the architecture, for those of us living in the tropics, in an era of climate change, it's probably not practical to think we can do away with air conditioning completely. Mm. But that doesn't mean that we can't make smarter use of the tools that we do have. Mm. Keeping it frosty with Matt Amatej. Uh, also, if you think Matt is cool, or what's the term that you wrote down as well? Malaysia's coolest dude. If you think he's, he's <laughs> Malaysia's coolest dude, check out uh, Matt's Plane's Facebook page. That's also where you could get the 25% discount code for Evapolair. Also, if you're keen on checking out how Matt could help you out for your business or if you just want Matt to be a cool guy to mentor you, to coach you and stuff, then you've got to check out his site. It's culturepop.com. It's culture with a K because it's cool with a K, right? That's right. <laughs> you got it. This has been Matt's Plane. We'll be back with Geese Cox after this, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.